Welcome to the All Hallow School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, to parents and to pupils to find out more about life at the school. In this episode, we're going to be finding out what it means to be an All Hallows learner. Headmaster Dr. Trevor Richards explains what this is all about, how this creates more personalised learning, how this actually looks in real terms actually inside the classroom, and also how it helps the children after they've left school and moved on in their lives. That's all coming up in this episode, so come with me now as we speak to Headmaster Dr. Trevor Richards. Trevor, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How's your day going today? Very well, thank you, Simon. Nice to see you. Really good to see you. Nice to see you too. Nice to talk to you as well. It's always good to talk to you as well. And in this episode here, we're going to be talking about the All Hallows Learner. Let's just dive straight into this for the sake of people who are listening and might not know what it is and how it came about. Tell us in what way it's an an addition to the school and how it came about in the first place. So the All Hallows Learner is part of of our drive to really define what sort of character development is. And, you know, part of that was coming up with uh, a model, a picture of what we wanted uh, someone who was going on from All Hallows to look like as a learner at, at 13 as they stood on their library lawn in their, you know, end of end of term bashes. And it, it's, a, it's a bit like um, sc- when schools and other organisations talk about well-being. It tends to be quite woolly when you start talking about character development or, you know, learning skills, all of those sorts of things. You see lots of schools talking about developing the whole child or developing meta skills. And once you start digging under that, they struggle to define what they're actually talking about or how they go about cultivating those. They sort of happen by accident somehow. Again, a bit like well-being. Well, we promote you know, children's well-being, but what is well-being and how do you do that? It just it, it doesn't happen. And I think, therefore, in, in some organisations, it can be a bit of a hit or miss process. And we wanted to make sure that it was ingrained in our school culture, that it is something that you can teach, but it's much better done as an immersion process that's supplemented by the curriculum. And again, you'll find some educational institutions teaching uh, learning skills on a week by week, and they go through the curriculum and you know them at the end and they've ticked it off. And that seems quite false and forced to to the staff at All Hallows. And it's much more about that ongoing drip, drip, immersion, reflection process that goes along. If we're going to be successful at that, though, we needed that central uh, model that gave us uh, a vocab that we could all uh, tap into. It's something we've shared with parents and with pupils. It's a very visual model. And again, it came out of some initial research that uh, I did originally, um, and I was really attracted to some of the work that Jane Simister did around character development and how that led to improvements in learning, but also led to fostering a greater sense of thriving and well-being in, in later life. I shared that with the staff, and we looked at which ones of those characteristics actually we thought um, were particularly pertinent to All Hallows, and we renamed some of them and we redefined some of them. Um, we sense checked that with our parents in a, in a series of seminars, uh, and then we sort of coalesced around that All Hallows learner model, the, the tree-based model that we did, um, which is now up in every classroom, is around the school. The, ch- the children have got it in their prep diaries and things like that, that they refer to it as part of their learning. 
but we've still got a lot of work to do. It's still quite early days in making it part of the culture. Again, I think the mistake is to say, I've introduced this, it's on the wall. We've done a bit of work on it. Actually, there's a, it's probably another year's work to do to make sure that we're all talking the same language and it's something that children are seeing as part of their learning outcomes, not just whether they can draw a meander or, or uh, find a six-figure grid reference. You can tell I'm an ex-geography teacher. But actually, you know, reflect on are they being curious? Can they collaborate? What are their problem-solving skills like? What are those bigger skills like? And they're, they're reflecting on those at the end of a lesson as well as those subject-specific skills and knowledge which tend to be the bits that they unpick and talk about when they, when they talk about their learning. Hmm. Now, I'm glad that you mentioned the All Hallows Learner tree and, and that you mentioned it's in every classroom, because actually, for the for the sake of people who are listening to this podcast episode right now, uh, Trevor and I are actually looking at each other, essentially in, in a window similar to a Zoom call, uh, but you can't see that. But what I can see, and I'm going to describe this over Trevor's left shoulder, is the All Hallows Learner tree. And I'm presuming, Trevor, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is the one that, that people can see uh, in the classrooms. So just describe this a little bit for us, for the, for the sake of the people who are listening. So so you think, again, it's a tree with roots and uh, a trunk and branches at the top of it that all represent different aspects of being a great learner. The soil is really that, that growth mindset, that underlying belief way of being in terms of being a learner, that we're, we're all in the process of becoming better, we're all progressing. It's not being a perfectionist, it's being okay with making mistakes not making the same mistakes over and over again and learning from that and doing something differently but that that's part of us we are, we are on an educational journey and this takes place within that sort of overarching philosophy the roots are what we refer to as intellectual character which are dispositions really again and skills some people call them ambition curiosity empathy good judgment reflectiveness self-belief, uh, risk-taking, all of those sorts of dispositions that you would want to see in evidence if someone was a great learner in a classroom. If you and I were doing an observation and someone had really honed their learning skills and knew what they were about as a learner, they'd be showing lots of those different things in different parts of the, the school curriculum. Mm. The trunk is really effective learning strategies, which are those very sort of spe specific study skills almost that we'd want to see in a young person. And the branches are higher level skillful thinking, reasoning, problem solving, creating thinking, the ability to evaluate and make good judgments, those sorts of things. So it's a sort of progression up through those things. But we liked it because it was a very visual thing. And actually our nursery children are quite happy pointing at elements of that. And it's grown up enough for our year eights to tap into that. Um, and our staff have been really good at just making sure that it's appropriate for the different stages in the school. So down in year one and year two, they might only look at one or two of those dispositions and they might have those as themes across a term. Whereas by the time they get to year eight, we're using that in our reflective practice, in our, in our journaling and our feedback at the end of lessons when the children are feeding into their reports, all of those sorts of things, they're commenting on this, not just subject-specific learning. Well, it sounds like all of the staff are fully on board with this and, and the children as well. How do you go about communicating this to the parents to ensure that they understand it and that they're fully on board with it as well? Before we honed the model, we sat down with parents and 
first of all said is this important to you you know if you if you you're looking at your outcomes for your child at the end of that process what are you thinking um and in the seminars and focus groups we did our parents were overwhelmingly this is the most important thing that we want them to get out of prep school mm. this is a big part of the value added that it that it very much isn't about data or subject specific knowledge and they get that the world is in lots of ways moving past that even if it's not moved past it yet so they helped us hone that understanding we've we've shared it with them in a couple of seminars but it, i think we've got work to do with bringing our parents on board so that they're using exactly the same they're echoing this model at home so when they're sitting helping their child with homework they can use the same sort of vocabulary and again it I think if we don't do that, it'll be quite hit and miss. So it's on our website. It's been part of our newsletters. It's something that we we talk about uh, in welcome meetings at the start of term, all of those sorts of things. But I think we've got, as I was saying, we're very much probably halfway through our journey to making sure it's part of the school culture. And parents echoing that is a critical part of that. They really do, I hope, work in partnership with us and buy into this idea of a broader set of outcomes for their young people that that really do go to setting the foundations for for whatever comes next, whether it's the senior school or university or or work or or life in general later on. Actually, what we find is and what research tells us is that children are more likely to thrive, more likely to achieve at a higher level if they have these sorts of dispositions underneath them, but they're also likely to have a higher level of well-being into their late teens, 20s and beyond, if they can tap into these things. So it is really bringing them on board and and making sure that we're all acting as a team around each young person in the school. Trevor, tell me a little bit about how this actually looks then, either in in the classroom or when actually when I say classroom, it could be an indoor classroom, could be an outdoor classroom, could be in, in, in the trees, it could be on the sports pitch, could be, I'm thinking into the future on the new AstroTuff, something like that. How does that actually look? How does it translate into everyday life then? I think, again, it's that, it's that part of being part of the culture as much as anything else that I'm glad you listed off all the different spaces or a selection of different spaces that learning and development takes place. Because again, there is that tendency to just think about classroom environment it's really a way of you know it takes place through modeling it takes place through questioning it takes place through noticing some of these traits in young people increasingly in the observations towards the end of last year it was brilliant to see them noticing in each other so some of the the teachers have even started using sort of coaching questions around where have you seen some of these characteristics or traits in the classroom today and getting pupils actually to notice them in people that hadn't noticed them themselves was an amazing thing to see even down in sort of year three and four and that sort of reflective practice as a group was was fabulous i think it's making it conscious and and giving us a shared vocabulary so we're all talking in the same way and again it's great going out and sitting in the, the middle of our astro in it in a hockey section section at the end and our sports staff routinely do a debrief with the children that the children lead they might put in some prompt questions there but they're looking for what did you see that somebody did well today what do you want to focus on next where do you think our relative weaknesses are as a team all of those sorts of questions and hearing them talk about collaboration and resilience and all of those character traits as a general part of their vocabulary now is brilliant 
And it is making that something that just happens right across the school so that you've got that previous deputy head used to call it split screen learning objectives when we were thinking about planning, that you had your very subject specific things that you wanted children to be able to do at the end of a period of time. But you also had the opportunity to develop these character traits. And I think it's all teachers thinking in that dual way that they're a subject specific teacher, but they're also a mentor and a coach and a facilitator and somebody that can develop the young children in a broader sense every time they come into contact with them. And that applies to assemblies. And, you know, we, we've taken some of these in themes and use them as a whole school themes. When you come across children and you're noticing things in a corridor in the school or in the lunch queue, when you get things wrong or when you haven't been resilient, being honest about that with, with the young people in your class and saying, you know, I really found that difficult is brilliant for young people to see that this doesn't stop when you're 13 or 15 or, or 19. It's something that we're all trying to, to progress with over a period of time. And it is, for me, that cultural part of that, where you're zooming in and out all the time of, of that focus uh, that will be the best way of developing that in people. It, it needs to become the, the, the way that we do things in school and the vocab that we use rather than, okay, we teach this at various stages um, and it's part of that curriculum bit. There's certainly bits go on with that. There's certainly study skills that get taught, revision skills and things like that, but that's a part of that bigger culture, not the other way around. It's really interesting to hear you talk about things like, you know, subject specifics and character traits, because, you know, there, there are some people who might be listening to this, maybe the grandparents of some of the children at the school or great grandparents even might have gone to school, you know, a long time ago. And back then, I imagine it was more about subject specifics as opposed to character traits. So a much broader question here, nothing at all to do with the All Hallows learner system, but, you know, to what extent should schools be responsible for the teaching of some of these things like the character traits and 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 at what point does it stop you know if, if i was one of those an older generation let's put it that way and and that was my viewpoint that it that children should only be learning about english and maths and dare i not not include geography in that uh <laughs> talking to you then you know what, what would be your response to someone who who had that slightly old-fashioned mindset that it's not a binary system it's not either or that they're they really are mutually reinforcing that you're teaching character traits through all of the other subjects in the curriculum. You know, the idea that we just wipe out subject specific knowledge or study skills or all of those sorts of things and teach this sort of character thing. But what we're finding is that if children are going to thrive in a world that's going to look probably very different from ours, he's going to be very fast paced, he's going to be very competitive, they're potentially going to have more than one career. In, in their lifetimes. If we're going to prepare them for that and prepare them for the rigors of senior school, and you know, we we are seeing now in terms of well-being um, the negative impact of our education system in some areas where people, even into their late teens and twenties and, and beyond, uh, are not in a good place in terms of their emotional well-being. If we're going to support them with that, we also have to do that character development part of that those underpinning ways of thinking mindsets dispositions whatever you want to call that um, and we're doing them no favors if we don't we're, we're not equipping them for what next and we do say in schools like all hallows we develop the whole child so yes there is that 
purely academic development that goes on. But there's a broader intellectual development that comes alongside that. And, and for me, that's an absolutely critical part of what I want for, for the young people uh, in All Hallows, certainly. And, you know, talking with colleagues uh, across the education system, they're very frustrated, some of them, that they don't have the time or resources to really, or the flexibility to really get to grips with that in a way that they'd like. Um, I think the education profession and the teachers would love to do more of that work. And I, I'm, we're really fortunate here to be in a school where we've got that flexibility to, to do that work. Thinking back to my own time at school, and, and I'm coming at this from the point of view that I'm a similar age, I think, to some of the parents at All Hallows, but certainly at my school, we, we had nothing at all like this. Is this anything like what you had at your school? And if not, is it something that you wish you did have? Absolutely. Um, and again, I think I was, I'm, uh, I was educated in a, uh, an inner city maintained school in, in Nottingham in my teenage years. And I was very fortunate to have three or four amazing teachers that, again, because they were amazing teachers, they were doing this sort of stuff anyway. Um, but I could equally have had other teachers that didn't do this and it would have been absent from my my development if that had been the case. And similarly, I've had personalities through my, my university career and even going back to do my doctorate that reinforced how important this work is. Um, but again, they sort of happened by accident. I, I was, you know, I, I don't particularly agree in the concept of, of look, but I was certainly fortunate to have people that came into my life that thought in this way and were looking to develop me in a wider sense than the subjects that they were they were teaching, and I don't want that for our children. I don't want that for the for the for the children of All Hallows. I want it to be something that's very explicit and and something they reflect on as well because they've got a role in this development bit and a role in thinking. I'm not really resilient, or I'm not particularly curious. And what am I going to do about that? We'll support them with that, but they're they're a critical part of this process. This is not about us sort of doing education or character development to them it's about bringing them along and saying look you know we're all going to be in a better place if if we look like this if we've got these tools in our armory if you like um, and bringing those with us and that's why that cultural part of this is so critical so having gone to as you said an inner city maintained school in nottingham that that feels like it's a world away from all Hallows being a prep school in your part of the world. So really the question is, in what ways do you see that that's helped to contribute positively to the position that you have today as, as the head of All Hallows? I think there's, there's two or three main thinking points around that. I think, f firstly, for me, there's an appreciation about how special a school like All Hallows is, how distinctive it is, how much flexibility we, we've got as a school. The resource level is amazing. Um, the quality of the staff, but also the the fairly distinctive drive, I think, uh, in terms of our aims and our ethos and the way we go about our education that puts children's well-being at the heart of, of everything. And we are developing the whole child here. And I think in my school that happened by accident in lots of ways, that, that things like character development happened because I had three or four great teachers uh, at school and people that I met through my university and, and later academic career that really valued that way of thinking and tried to develop those things in me. Um, and it certainly wasn't something that was uh, a conscious process in my school. Um, and I really wanted to make sure that that was ingrained here. 
Trevor, we need to bring this episode to a close now, but I just want to say thank you for being here. Thanks for explaining all of this to us, but I really appreciate your time here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. So that was Headmaster Dr. Trevor Richards talking to us about what it means to be an All Hallows learner. Thank you for your time, Trevor. It's always appreciated. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.